Welcome everyone to another episode of our B2B Startup Sales Podcast. Um, my name is Patrick and I'm very happy to welcome Gerke Bus, um, Head of Growth at Warehousing One. Welcome Gerke and we're really happy to have you here today. Hi Patrick, thanks for having me. So let's dive right in Gerke. You prepared two tactical tips today for our um, listeners that they can maybe use immediately um, or tomorrow. Yes, I yes, I did. Uh, let's hope they uh, are helpful. The first one is um, in terms of reachability. So um, when you're having a contact person um, and you're trying to reach them and they might not be in the uh, office or not at, at their place at least, um, it's always really handy to reach out to the um, yeah, to the um, centrale, to the central, um, where you might be able to get some further information if the person is in the office or not. And on the other side, it's actually um, uh, preparing meetings. Um, also, once you have talked to a customer, um, shortly summarize uh, the key takeaways and add them in an email. Um, so the person is really up to date and has not to do anything um, in, uh, despite uh, reading your emails, basically. Perfect. All right, so the first one, um, if you don't reach the person you wanted to reach, call the basically the head office or the, the central and try to get more information from there. And the second one, after a call, summarize what has been discussed and then send that over to your prospect. Now, the first one, Gerke, is that uh, actually something that you realized with your team during COVID because you haven't reached the people uh, direct uh, via phone, uh, via office phone, and then you, you got some numbers as well uh, through the central, or how did you, how did you get to that? Mm, actually, that was something I realized when I was doing a lot of outbound calls myself. Um, so uh, every time uh, people were asking, okay, what is the direct call number of my contact person? Um, and um, once you try to reach them and um, it was not possible, you were not 100% sure if they might be sick, if they might be on holidays. Um, so I was actually never sure if I should call them again the same day or if I should try tomorrow. Um, so that was already something I realized like a few years ago. Um, that it's always uh, good to ask another person if the contact person is uh, at least in the office or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like it. And is there some trick that when you call the central, uh, how you say things, are they always are they like open to talk? Well, how did you experience that? Or is it some special technique that you try, that you that you use there? Actually, um, I think that is pretty easy and straightforward. If you ask uh, that you cannot reach them um, and um, you have their direct uh, phone number, but uh, you wanted to uh, yeah, make sure that uh, they are in the office or that they are reachable, um, that's barely a problem to get the information, I would say. That's always pretty easy, actually. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Any more information that you get other than uh, what the person is doing? Is that also something like some more information that you could get out that could be interesting? Um, 
sometimes. Um, so if it's um, more like a smaller company, they might have uh, some additional information. If they know, for example, that they are on holiday or even know where they are on holiday, it might uh, lead to a good icebreaker to start the next conversation. But that depends, of course, how big the company is you're calling. And sometimes it is also possible that they're leaving a note, basically, or that you have called them, or that they sometimes even are able to schedule a meeting for you so um, that um, you can really ensure to reach that contact person. Nice. I've never heard that actually uh, with calling the central. I never, I think I never tried it myself because usually I combine a little bit, let's say email and calling and, and maybe on LinkedIn and maybe write a message on LinkedIn or an email. But it seems like you have been focusing on, I mean, it's very efficient. I like it, pick up the phone and then, <laughs> you know, call, call the central and find it out quickly. I mean, without losing time, typing some emails in and stuff like that. Yeah, and the advantage is, so it's not 100% uh, uh, what I'm doing all the time, but the advantage is that um, your contact person does not have to do anything, right? So when you send an email and there is a calendar link and you ask them to put a meeting inside, it's actually um, the customer or the prospect who has to do now something. And this way around, you can actually take away the task from the prospect and still have a scheduled call. So um, it's also something that I tend to do often to simply schedule a meeting when I have an email of my prospect, right? And I add a small note and tell them that they are able to edit the, the date and the time. And so it's still scheduled. There's a lot of commitment in there but they are not having to do anything um, to actually start the meeting. Wow. So sometimes you, how early do you do that? I mean, I guess you're not, your team basically now, not you yourself, but um, send that that invitation without even having been talking to that person. At what stage do you do that? That's more when I, also my, uh, my team, uh, we tend to do that uh, when we already know the contact, we have been in contact. And when we write them an email, they already know from which company we are and there are several icebreakers. So that tends to be really kind of a personal outreach. So you really yeah, uh, have to know the person well. Um, but especially the call when you're in the first touch points with the prospect. So um, asking them the, um, the central um, if, uh, if they can leave a note and um, if they might be able to schedule a call. Sometimes also decision maker have an assistant. So um, it might be possible that you'll get forwarded to this person and they are normally always able to schedule a call. Yeah. I really like the, the idea that you do something that the, the person, uh, the other person doesn't have to do anything uh, as the call to the central. And other thing, I think we had a very, we had at some point the same teacher when it comes to cold calling um, or learn from the same person, Tim Toxis. And uh, for mm. everybody who, goes, who is into cold calling, I think he is a very good person to go to. His book is amazing. We even had his company uh, once, uh, part of yeah, his company working for us and getting leads. In Germany, they had, a, they had a service. I think he left the company now, but uh, mm. at them. And something that comes to mind when you say this is, is, is another um, Another trick, a trick, I mean, 
when you call someone and you realize that is the wrong person and you ask that person, hey, um, who could be, who is the right person to talk to? And the person is giving you a name. You don't have to ask for the email or for the phone number of that person. You can just say, hey, thank you very much. I No worries. I will go on the, over the central again. I will call them, the head office, and they will direct me. I just greet them from you. Thank you very much. Bye. And then hang up the phone. And uh, yeah, use that way again and not making that person needing to give you a number or needing to give you an email address because that's sometimes not compliant anyway. I mean, sometimes they don't want to give you that number. Exactly. Plus also because of GDPR reasons nowadays, it's actually harder to get uh, the person email of this um, specific prospect. So totally agree. Um, if you already got some information, you don't have necessarily to ask for more, but uh, just say thank you and uh, go go for the next station, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, regarding GDPR, it's a good, uh, another interesting topic actually, because in Ger in Germany it's very strict. I think automated sending automated emails is actually not also in Switzerland very like gray or even not allowed, and also cold calling before consent of that person, I think is quite difficult. I never had an issue with this. Uh, I always say this because, uh, you know, we target, we, I targeted with the company I worked before, we targeted head of legal and compliance. And if somebody knows, nobody, once somebody said, delete me from the list, otherwise I will go to court. Um, and then we, we, uh, you know, nicely answered, hey, no worries, we delete you. I'm sorry and uh, happy, happy year. Um, did you ever uh, experience something? Mm, no, as you said, it's a gray area. So uh, the contact information, um, wait, let me shortly pause my notifications here for Slack. Um, the the gray area for um, is basically for company information. So you're allowed to send emails and plenty of emails actually to the company, that's fine. But mm -hmm. reaching out to a person who has not his or her personal information published on the website and did not uh, agree to get contacted, I think that's legally a problem. So in theory, you have to always note the name of the, um, of the head office. And um, if the person would ask, where do, did you get my information from? Then you have to yeah, have the name and uh, give it to that person. But in reality, I also never had a problem about that. Also because um, you're, you're providing an added value, right? So the, the people in the end, they, they uh, tend to want to have an exchange, uh, a discussion about that topic. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's barely uh, bad vibes, let's say, or um, um, that they're um, negatively um, against your outreach. Let's put it that way. Yes, and I, I think it's so important that this remains that the way it is. Um, I feel like without, you know, I also learned about certain technologies just because people reached out to me and I was like, hey, sounds interesting and I want to learn new stuff anyway, see maybe how things can be done better. And I don't think the innovation process only works the way that companies are surfacing problems. 
and then they are like, oh, yes, we have found this problem. We want to solve it now and we go look for a solution. But also it works like somebody approaches you and, uh, you know, surfaces maybe a problem with you, but also has some interesting insights into how other companies do something differently and are much more efficient or much, uh, yeah, works much better for them. Yeah, definitely. That's also a little bit that the role of sales has changed simply, right? So I don't know, like a few years ago, maybe 10 to 20 years ago, um, was always this really kind of aggressive and really push selling. And nowadays it's less about selling, it's more about understanding the customer. Does he or her really have a need? And mm -hmm. you can really provide a value because otherwise, if you sell something, which in the end you cannot um, deliver, um, it's not only um, a waste of time on the customer side, but also on your side, right? So there's no, no added value for both sides. That's why sales has changed. But I get the feeling often that a lot of people have not understood that already. Um, and so it tends to have some kind of, um, how to say, uh, people, people get a wrong impression sometimes about sales. Let's put it that way. I think uh, the push sell has definitely changed to a pull sell nowadays. Yes, yes, I agree. I think sometimes the, 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 the image of salespeople is coming from the B2C space because that's where most people are affected by salespeople. Only very few are actually affected by B2B salespeople. I always, you know, when you look at companies, 10% of the people are in management of companies. So we could probably reasonably assume that about 10% of the population is in management, which means that only 10% or even less, not every manager is, con is, is, is buying B2B software. Um, mm -hmm. That, you know, very few are connected to B2B. When it comes to a little more, I mean, very, very cheap product that costs five bucks a month, maybe also uh, non-managers buying this, but they're not, they don't have to go uh, through a salesperson. So very few are actually in contact with B2B. And I think like B2C is still, very much done this way, uh, like just trying to, to, to sell. I mean, we, we know the image from what, what comes to mind is usually the car seller or yeah. the, car seller, uh, yeah. the insurance, <laughs> insurance is the other one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the first, so the second uh, tip you said is um, following up with a message. Is that something you structure internally with your team? What exactly needs to go into that message? And if yes, or, or what would you write there exactly? Mm, so again, here it depends a little bit what kind of customer you have and what kind of prospect you have. So how important that uh, customer and prospect is, of course, and how much time you want to put in there. What I realized is that, again, you are taking away tasks of the customer and providing that. And it's simply a kind of a service. So when you had a really important call with a customer, or even not an important call, but simply a short call, but there were some key takeaways or next steps. And instead of simply scheduling a meeting um, because you agreed to have a call in three months, for example, you write a short email with, hey, uh, thank you for the call. It was really great. Um, here were my findings, or here were my key takeaways as as discussed, um, I sent out an email invite, uh, calendar invite um, separately and have a great day. So it's really easy. It's really simple. And I think in the US, that's 
common sense. Uh, but in uh, at least in Germany, uh, we tend to be too grumpy for that. So um, uh, it, it really makes a difference. And it also sticks in the head of the prospect. Right? So uh, it only helps. And you can easily half automate that. Um, so by simply using a template and then have a few bullets. And uh, yeah, it's simply kind of a service uh, which should also be your job, I think. Yeah, and when you say that using the templates, you mean the um, with Google, I mean with Outlook, you can use templates. With Google Mail, you can use templates. Just simply is the create one and then reuse it. I guess that's what you mean um, to. Exactly. So half automated, of course, uh, so because you have to add the key takeaways and uh, what um, uh, what the next steps are. But simply also to save time, and that would be probably my third uh, advice: use templates and at least um, half automated template. Um, because let's say fifty to sixty percent of an email is always the same text. Why should you write it every time uh, new? Yeah. Did you even compare that approach? I'm not sure if you have numbers. Like, did you compare that approach to not sending a uh, follow-up email in in large scale? Mm, no, because um, on our outbound side, we are not focusing that much on uh, quantity. It's more about quality, key accounts, high prio uh, prospects. So uh, sadly, I do not have any numbers here. But it would be for sure really interesting um, to see how much of a difference that makes. Mm. It's more like a gut feeling. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, makes makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, this gut feeling to me, and I always, I also do that, or I have been doing that. Um, just, just a very easy, quick message and and, and follow up. Other than, I mean, usually. What I, what I, I'm, and we, it's obviously a situation where you don't have a follow-up meeting. Prior, priority number one is always just right, have a, another call with the customer. In the call, schedule the next one. And then I got lazy a little bit and I didn't write an email afterwards, um, you know, because there was the next meeting anyway and I didn't, uh, didn't send that. But it could even be a good idea in that. I'm not sure if you do that the same or if that's the, situation that you don't have another call i mean you what you can also do is not just making or not making a follow-up email but um like a few days before your meeting or before your call sending out an email which you can also automate um and simply say really looking forward to that call um i did that at a company before my current company and that actually led to kind of an increase of commitment simply so they are not they're really taking that call or that they're attending the meeting or at least that they are um telling me beforehand that they are, might not be able to to make it to the meeting but they um suggested uh, an alternative basically yes all right Something else, uh, Gerke, you have been hiring um, a few salespeople just the past like 12 months. Um, do you have any tips how it is, you know, to onboard um, salespeople that quickly? Is there anything that you could share? How, what, what you would, what you would do again the same, or maybe some learnings that you have uh, made in that time? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
maybe two to three learnings. Um, I really like the sentence during the hiring process that you say, if it's not a hell yeah, is a no. So really be convinced about that candidate. Um, of course, testing them um, during the interview process. Um, that's, that's obvious. Um, and really not making it easy for them. That's also really important. Um, the hiring process, I mean, don't make it easy for them during the hiring process. Yeah, especially during the interview um, when you are testing them out uh, for a call, for example. So that you should challenge them, right? Of course, it's a situation where they're really under pressure, but um, still you, you want to see how they are working under pressure at one point as well, right? So that, that's something um, I think some people um, might not do enough. And um, during the ramp up, um, I made the experience that you can distinguish between people who really want to get thrown into the cold water. And there are people who first want to um, familiarize them, uh, themselves with the theory, with the industry, with the product. And both ways are fine, right? In the end, you should not be afraid of the, of the phone. So at one point you have to start but there are people who want to directly get in contact with customers at the second day. Um, and there are people who are a little bit more, yeah, um, um, who are taking their time. And both is fine. You just should understand uh, early um, what kind of candidate you have in front of you. Mm -hmm. I like the challenging part. So are you challenging them by doing, for instance, a mock-up cold call? Or is there any um, question you, you you have that is challenging them uh, itself? Uh, how do you do that? Mm -hmm. Normally, I um, do two things. First, we have a short role play where we are sitting in a bar and they have to pitch to me as an old school friend uh, by drinking a beer, what kind of product or service, whatever they want, they have purchased during the last one or three months can really be anything. Um, and it's, um, yeah, it breaks a little bit the ice. So they are getting used to pitch something. They're used to, they're getting used to explain um, something to me. And also it's more a little bit kind of a chit chat. And um, when they performed well, I'm um, then doing a mock-up call, kind of a role play, really cold call. Um, I'm the customer, they are my employer, and um, yeah, then they have to, um, let's say, um, they, 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 simply have, they, they simply have to show if they have um, taught themselves a little bit about my company, about the product, about the industry, and also understood the services we are providing. I like, yeah, cool, cool. Uh, um, Cool game. I mean, you can't call it game, but uh, the the you, what you you said um, role play exactly the role play in the in the bar. Um, what are you looking after when you do that role play? What is a good performance there, and what 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 have you seen there? What differences between a good and a and a not so good performance? <laughs> now I have to be a little bit. Um... 
um, not sure if I tell now everything and uh, future um, applicants are <laughs> listening to that to that um, podcast, that might be a problem. But it would also show that they are prospecting really well. <laughs> <laughs> they so, have done research. If they listen to that podcast, they know uh, Gerke has spoken here. I, I go and see all the <laughs> different. <laughs> So I, actually, there's one easy uh, point, um, which is actually really a low-hanging fruit, but most of the people are not doing it. And it is by starting a question with this question and not by pitching. So that's the first thing. So if they are asking me who I am, what I'm doing, if I am um, somehow have used that product or how am I using my current product and... Um, what do I like? What do I don't like? That's enough. So if a person starts that way, that's a huge plus. So that's actually number one. Yes. Curiosity. I mean, as you said uh, at the beginning or at some point in the call, that the pitching before, like asking a question or showing curiosity before, uh, pitching and understanding whether there is actually some potential. So, so you're looking after that. One last question to this uh, and overall, do you think that something that's really hard to change people who are in the pitch mode and, and therefore you think like, hey, if somebody doesn't show that from the get go, um, it's already like a negative. Hmm. Okay, uh, got got the question. Um, no, not necessarily. So a lot of people are simply doing it because they don't know it better. Nobody has shown him or her um, how a, how a actual sales call should actually work out. And there are for sure other characteristics you are looking for in candidates. Um, for example, resilience, motivation, curiosity. Um, but what I really like is when people are uh, interested in to another person and they they simply ask questions and see if there is potential. It's kind of a natural habit you should actually have. And um, I, I think it's simply a great indi indicator that when people tend to ask questions, they're speaking less and listen more. And it also means that they are simply curious about you. And so they are probably about things, products, services, and your industry. So for me, it's a really good indicator and it shows it's a really great candidate. But um, there are, of course, other parts in the interview which are also equally important. Yes. Amazing, Gerke. Thank you so much for those insights. That was really interesting. And I think uh, people can take something directly out of this. Thanks for joining. And um, yeah, see you another time. Yeah, Patrick, thank you. Welcome to Berlin uh, soon and uh, looking forward to catch up by coffee. Hopefully so. Yeah, let's let's chat in Berlin. Thank you, Gerke.